This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back from the break. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I'm going I'm to skip ahead a little bit in this article. I think I'm bringing us back to where we ended in the last show. And so now this author is trying to uh, sit down, do this interview with J.D. Vance. And J.D. Vance worked for Peter Thiel, and then Peter Thiel was supporting his Senate run. And so Vance... Uh, and, and let's pick up. I think this is right where we left off last time. It says, Vance recently told an interviewer, quote, I got to be honest with you. I don't really care what happens to Ukraine, end quote. A flick at the fact that he thinks the American-led global order is a much more enriching defense contractors and think tank types as it is about defending America's interests. Okay, obviously, and Peter Thiel gets a lot of that money. Quote, I do care about the fact that in my community right now, The leading cause of death among 18 to 45-year-olds is Mexican fentanyl, end quote. His criticisms of big tech as, quote, enemies of Western civilization, end quote, often get lost in the run of Republican outrage over Trump being kicked off Twitter and Facebook, though they go much deeper than this. Vance believes that the regime has sold an elusive story that consumer gadgets and social media are constantly making our lives better, even as wages stagnate and technology feeds an epidemic of depression. And we know all that. I mean, we talked about that on this show, that social media, probably going all the way back to the beginning of the Internet, has caused a lot of the depression, which now has opened up this new expanded uh, mental health industry in which people like Peter Thiel are going to come to the rescue with psychedelic drugs. So again, what I have a hard time understanding when I listen to someone like J.D. Vance or someone like Blake Masters is that... What you seem to be railing against is what your boss or your former boss and your political backer is actually part of building. See, that, that's where the gaslighting comes in. Because how they can just get away with talking about this stuff, how no one asked them, well, what about your backer, Peter Thiel? He's all for this stuff. It just baffles my mind, folks. It really does. And I find it's very difficult. I've had a hard time finding anyone out there that calls himself a journalist, an influencer, whatever, uh, questioning this, asking these questions. Like, how could you be saying this when your backer is Peter Thiel? You know, it's, it's like if I ran as a traditional conservative right and i said i'm a traditional conservative i'm a social conservative i am a hundred percent against abortion i am a hundred percent pro-life under all circumstances and then you find out that guy kermit gosnell that guy that was murdering babies is my backer 
you know, or I say, you know, I'm 100% against uh, gay marriage. I don't even like gay people. I think this is a terrible thing. And then you find out that, uh, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos is backing my campaign. Yeah, it just wouldn't make any sense, you know, if I said, listen, I'm a devout capitalist, I am against climate change, screw the Green New Deal, and then you find out that AOC gave me $15 million. Like, it just wouldn't make any sense, would it? If I stood up there and I railed against climate change, but then you find out that I worked for Al Gore at a high level within his company, and that he was floating my congressional run or my Senate run, it wouldn't make any sense to you. All right, it goes on to say, the author is saying, I wrote a piece that came across as critical of him, of Vance, and expressed my deep hopelessness about the future of America. I figured he'd want nothing more to do with me. But the morning it was published, he sent me a short, heartfelt email. He said that he'd been a bit pained to read in the piece that my parents disliked him, but said he'd like to talk more. Quote, I don't see you as a member of the elite because I see you as an independent of their ideological structures and incentives. But maybe I'm just saying that because I like you. Despair, he signed off, quote, serves the regime, end quote. The author goes on to say, part of why people have trouble describing this new right is because it's a bunch of people who believe that the system that organizes our society and government, which most of us think of as normal, is actually bizarre and insane, which naturally makes them look bizarre and insane to people who think the system is normal. You'll hear these people talk about our globalized consumerist society as, quote, clown world, end quote. Well, I say that, but that doesn't make me part of the new right, folks. See, this is either the author not understanding or part of the misdirection of this piece, teaching moment. All right. It says, you'll often hear the worldview expressed by our media and intellectual class described as, quote, the matrix, end quote, or, quote, the ministry of truth, end quote, as Thiel described it in his opening keynote speech at NACCON, National Conservatism. It can be confusing to turn on something like the influential underground podcast, Good Old Boys, and hear a figure like Anton talk to two auto didact southern gamers about the makeup of the regime if only because most people reading this probably don't think of america as the kind of place that has a regime at all but that's because as many people in this world would argue we've been so effectively propagandized that we can't see how the system of power around us really works so let's just break this down for a second so what the author is talking about is that the new right is putting forward this idea that the system we live under is basically a big matrix, like like I say. But I'm really also saying that the matrix is coming, all right? Now, I think these guys are part of ushering in the full-blown matrix. So they're trying to make people see the system that we currently live under as a matrix, although they're working to usher in the matrix, And so what he's saying is then there's a whole class of other people that just look at the system we live under as normal. It just is what it is. Well, my belief is that the majority of those people are people, let's say before now, like me, I don't vote anymore, but let's say before, over the last 20 years, 
you would have like what 40 to 50 percent of the population turning out to vote i mean 40 to 50 percent of the voting population turning out to vote in presidential elections well the other 50 percent don't even care they just look at the system as normal they just don't even bother they don't get involved and then you had 40 to 50 percent that would go out and vote well, there was a faction of people like me that say it's a stupid system, it's clown world, I don't believe in it, I don't even vote. But then you would have a lot of other people that would get involved and vote, and they were involved with the left-right paradigm. As we saw in the other article, and I think that was accurate, they have their uh, grievances on the left, and we have our grievances on the right. And so we both look at the system as corrupt, but you see the system is that's normal, but we have to vote people out, we just have to vote harder to get our people in. And that's the system that we live under. Well, they're saying it's all a matrix, right? But what they're not telling you, the new right is not telling you while they're talking about, let's say, technology and technocracy. Somewhat they talk about this. But they're also advocating for it. And the man behind it, Peter Thiel, is a huge technocrat. And so what they're doing is they're creating this illusion that they are against clown world and the matrix when they are actually part of clown world and the matrix all these grifters and influencers are on people's payrolls like steve bannon or peter thiel they run them and so they go out there and pretend to rail against the very system that they are actually part of it goes on to say this is not a conspiracy theory like QAnon, which uh, presupposes that there are systems of power at work that normal people don't see. This is an idea that the people who work in our systems of power are so obtuse that they can't see that they're part of a conspiracy. Now, what? Yes, okay, now, that I say we agree with, right? I do agree with this, because let's break this down for a moment. What I've been saying, let's just take the STEM folks, for example, the scientists, technology people, the engineers, the mathematicians. They're working within the system, within the matrix, and actually helping to build the matrix for the most part. And I believe they don't actually realize what they're helping build. They're blind to the fact that they are working towards a prison planet and helping to engineer humanity out of existence. But see... I don't believe that these influencers and these uh, these um, foot soldiers of Peter Thiel don't understand that they're helping create it. I think they're getting paid very well to help usher it in, especially if they're part of this movement. They would have had to read the writings of Curtis Yarvin. I mean, unless you're just running around claiming to be part of a movement, but you have no idea what that movement means. That could be the case. But see, some of what they say is correct, but then the other parts, they even use misdirection. I mean, that's part of what they're doing. They're trying to create this illusion or amplify the idea that everything is corrupt, but they're trying to drive people towards further accepting a deeper, darker technocracy. Goes on to say, quote, the fundamental premise of liberalism, end quote, Curtis Yarvin said, quote, is that there is inexorable march toward progress i disagree with that premise end quote yarvin believes that this premise underpins a massive framework of power quote my job quote as he puts it quote is to wake people up from the truman show so let's see he's saying the fundamental premise of liberalism is that there 
marching towards progress. And I'm going to get into that eventually when I show you some old videos of Saul Linsky and break that down and show you how it plays into what is going on today. Yarvin's saying he disagrees with that, right? He believes that the premise underpins a massive framework of power. So he's saying his job is to wake you up from the Truman Show. Well, he's not really waking. Well, I would say they are in part waking you up from the Truman Show, but what they're doing is trying to drive you towards this full-blown technocracy to drive you further in to the Truman Show. See, that is the trick there, folks. So even Yarvin and these theolites are using this misdirection. They are waking you up from the Truman Show, but driving you further into the Truman Show. They're basically telling you, folks, you live in the Truman Show. All right, let's build a bigger house inside of the Truman Show. It goes on to say, we spoke, sharing a bench outside in the dark one evening, a few days into the conference. Yarvin is friendly, and uh, let's see, Yarvin, I'm sorry, I got this cord hanging in front of me again. Uh, Despite the fact that he tends to think and talk so fast that he can start unspooling, reworking Baroque metaphors to explain ideas to listeners who have heard them many times before. Strange things can happen when you meet him. I'd gotten in touch with him through a mutual friend, a journalist I knew from New York, who once had a big magazine assignment to write about him. The piece never came out. Quote, they wanted him to say I was really evil and all that, end quote, Yarvin told me. Quote, he wouldn't do it and pulled the piece. And I thought, okay, that's a cool guy, end quote. This friend has now made a bunch of money in crypto, works on a project Yarvin helped launch to build a decentralized internet, and lives hours out into the desert in Utah, where he's occasionally called in to new rightish podcasts. He recently had dinner with Theo and Masters. Both Masters and Vance have raised money by offering donors a chance to dine with Theo and the candidate. All right, so there you go now. So I guess if you donate to Masters and to J.D. Vance, you can hang out and have dinner with Peter Thiel. Wow, that would be interesting, folks. If this was a bigger show, I would say, listen, guys, let's raise a bunch of money. We'll make the donation to uh, Blake Masters, and I'll get a sit-down with Peter Thiel. That would be a fascinating dinner, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. I'm not going to get dinner. I'm just going on a short break. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, we got to get through this. This is very important because it's going to connect into some other stuff that I am working on here, really trying to dissect the political arm of the technocracy we're going to look at this from the left as well and some of the characters that are pushing the uh, same messages but instead of coming out of the new right or coming out of the left and as i said to you many of the new right are actually the former left just rebranded 
as the new right. This goes on to say here in the Vanity Fair piece, Yarvin has a pretty condescending view of the mainstream media. Quote, they're just predators, end quote, he has said, who have to make a living attacking people like him. Quote, they just need to eat, end quote. He doesn't usually deal with mainstream magazines and wrote that he'd been ambushed at the last NatCon in 2019 by a reporter for Harper's, where uh, the author says they also write, who made Yarvin out to be a bit of a loon in predicting that the NatCon's populist program would soon be, quote, stripped of its parts, end quote, by the corporate-minded Republican establishment. All right, so basically saying that the Republican, the GOP part, the GOP would come in and basically uh, strip it, take it over. But now we see that uh, Peter Thiel has injected some money into this, and he just spoke at NatCon about a month or so ago. Goes on to say, but the winds are shifting. He told me about how he'd gone to read poetry in New York recently at the Thiel-funded NPC Fest. See, again, Peter Thiel funds it. Quote, a bunch of lit kids showed up, end quote, Yarvin said, grinning. I had grown into adulthood in the New York lit world. Uh, a lit kid world even a few years ago there was no question that anything like this could have happened but now yarvin is a cult hero to many in the ultra hip crowd that you'll often hear referred to as the quote downtown scene end quote i don't even think antifa bothered showing up quote uh, or yarvin said i don't even think antifa bothered showing up end quote yarvin said quote what would they do it was an art party end quote Yarvin had asked his new girlfriend, Lydia Lawrenson, a 37-year-old founder of a progressive magazine, to vet me, the author. The radical right turn her life had taken created complications. Quote, one of my housemates was like, I don't know if I want Curtis in our house. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I understand why you're saying that, end quote. Uh, Lawrenson said to the uh, author here. Lawrenson had been a well-known blogger and activist in the BDSM scene back when Yarvin was the central early figure in a world of, quote, neo-reactionary, end quote, writers pushing his poetry and political theory on the blogger site under the name Mencius Moldbug. All right, so this guy's girlfriend here is a BDSM writer, uh, that comes out of the progressive magazine scene. Well, I will make the case eventually, folks, that techno-fascism, techno-populism, technocracy is, is all under this banner of progressivism. And that's why we're going to go back and look at Saul Alinsky in a documentary that I think many people uh, most likely have not seen. I got this from the Canadian Film Board uh, many years ago and was smart enough to download it's uh, basically three or four parts so i'm going to review all that with you and you're going to hear alinsky uh in his own words and then we're going to tie that into how progressivism works and then i'm going to show you that this entire movement this transhumanist movement even this technocratic movement is very progressive in nature it basically keeps moving forward until it eats itself alive so yarvin dating someone coming out of this progressive world makes perfect sense to me ladies and gentlemen because the new right is not conservative it's actually progressive it goes on to say as Moldbug 
Yarvin wrote about race-based IQ differences, and in an early post titled, quote, Why I Am Not a White Nationalist, end quote, he defended reading and linking to white nationalist writings. He told me he pursued those early writings in a spirit of, quote, open inquiry, end quote, though Yarvin also openly acknowledged in the post that some of his readers seemed to be white nationalists. Some of Yarvin's writings from then is so radically right-wing that it almost has to be read to be believed, like the time he critiqued the attacks by the Norwegian far-right terrorist Anders Beiring Brevik, who killed 77 people, including dozens of children at a youth camp, not on the grounds that terrorism is wrong, but because the killings wouldn't do anything effective to overthrow what Yarvin called Norway's, quote, communist, end quote, government. He argued that Nelson Mandela, one head of the military wing of the African National Congress, had endorsed terror attacks and political murder against opponents and said anyone who claimed, quote, St. Mandela, end quote, was more innocent than Brevik might have, quote, a mother you'd like to F, end quote. He's tempered himself in middle age. He now says he has a rule never to, quote, say anything unnecessarily controversial or go out of my way to be provocative for no reason, end quote. Many liberals who hear him talk would probably question how strictly he follows this rule. But even his Mulbug days, most of his controversial writings were couched in thickets of irony and metaphor, a mode of speech that younger podcasters and Twitter personalities on the highly online right have adopted, a way to avoid getting kicked off of tech platforms or having their words quoted by liberal journalists. Now, folks, we, we're just going to continue uh, down this path, and I just want to say it's important, all right? It's important because I will say again, that this guy got money, an investment in his company from Peter Thiel. He is, uh, his ideology is being adopted by Thiel's minions like Blake Masters and J.D. Vance. And I would not be reporting on this or talking about this if I did not think that this was instrumental in the advancement of tech, uh, technocracy and transhumanism. All of this stuff comes together. It all converges. It's all part of it. So to understand the people behind the avatars, the people behind these pseudonyms, the people that are getting money from Peter Thiel is highly important because Thiel is instrumental in moving technocracy into the mainstream. Goes on to say, Yarvin considers himself a reactionary, not just a conservative. Well, he's not a conservative at all. There's nothing conservative about this guy. Yarvin thinks it is impossible for an Ivy League-educated person to really be a conservative. Well, there you go. Thank you. He has consistently argued that conservatives waste their time and political energy on fights over issues like gay marriage or critical race theory because liberal ideology holds sway in the important institutions of prestige media and academia. An intertwined nexus he calls, quote, the cathedral, end quote. He developed a theory to explain the fact that America has lost its so-called state capacity. His explanation for why it so often seems that it is not actually capable of governing anymore. The power of the executive branch has slowly devolved to an oligarchy of the educated who care more about competing for status within the system than they do about America's national 
interest. All right, so this is uh, a little different than what we saw in the other articles. That's why I'm bringing this into the conversation, folks. He's saying the power of the executive branch has slowly devolved into an oligarchy of the educated who care more about competing for status within the system than they do about America's national interest. But see, what he goes back to is he says, and this is a repeated theme of him, is the government has lost the ability to govern right to be strong and to govern when if you were a conservative you'd be calling for the shrinking of government itself that is something that is completely out the window i don't think there is anyone in power anymore who has called for a smaller government i think that concept is over now it is about concentrating the uh, power of the government basically centralizing it fuller That is what everyone is trying to do at this point, just to be in charge of it. But they're going to concentrate, I believe, the tasks, uh, the management of society, the engineering of the citizens under the technocracy. It says no one directs this system and hardly anyone who participates in it believes that it's a system at all. Someone like me who has made a career of writing about militias and extremist groups might go about my work thinking that all I do is try to tell important stories and honestly describe political upheaval. But within the cathedral, the best way for me to get big assignments and win attention is to identify and attack what seem like threats against the established order, which includes nationalists, anti-government types, or people who refuse to obey the opinions of the cathedral's experts on issues like vaccine mandates in as alarming as a way as I possibly can. This is the author speaking, folks. So this is a left-wing author writing this, and that's actually very good, very true. It says, this cycle becomes self-reinforcing and has been sent into hyperdrive by Twitter and Facebook because the stuff that compels people to click on articles or share clips of a professor tends to affirm their worldview or frighten them, or both at the same time. The more attention you gain in the cathedral system, the more you can influence opinion and government policy. Journalists and academics and thinkers of any kind now live in a desperate race for attention. And in Yarvin's view, this is all really a never-ending bid for influence, serving the interest of our oligarchical system uh, regime. So I may think I write for a living, but to Yarvin, what I actually do is more like a weird combination of intelligence gathering and propagandizing, which is why no one I was talking to at NACON really thought it would be possible for me to write a fair piece about them. You won't hear people use the cathedral term a lot in public, although right-wing Twitter lit up with the delight when Yarvin sketched the concept on Tucker Carlson's Fox Nation show last September. People who've opened their eyes to this system of control have taken the red pill, a term Yarvin started using back in 2007, long before it got watered down to generally mean supporting Trump. To be red-pilled, you have to understand the workings of the cathedral. And the way conservatives can actually win in America, he has argued, is for a Caesar-like figure to take power back from this devolved oligarchy and replace it with a monarchical regime run like a startup. As early as 2012, he proposed the acronym RAGE, Retire All Government Employees, as a shorthand for a first step in the overthrow of the American regime. 
What he needed, Yarvin thought, was a national CEO or what's called a dictator. This is Yarvin's words, folks. Yarvin now shies away from the word dictator and seems to be trying to promote a friendlier face of authoritarianism as the solution to our political warfare. Quote, if you're going to have a monarchy, it has to be a monarchy of everyone, Yarvin said. So, folks, you can see, you can see what this guy, Curtis Yarvin, stands for. And you can see that he is being propped up by Peter Thiel. And he is instrumental in this so-called new right movement, which is the fake right, which is actually the left. It is a left-wing movement, folks. The majority of the people in this movement didn't come from conservatism whatsoever. They were pushed over from the left. And you can't call yourself a conservative. Uh, especially a small government conservative, a fiscal conservative, a social conservative, if you are advocating for the destruction of local government, state government, concentration of local police under a centralized government, the overthrow of the legislative branch, overthrow of the judicial branch, and concentrating all of the power under a dictator, folks, under a techno fascist dictator i hope you can see why this is all so important because tomorrow i'm going to move away from curtis yarvin all right i've had enough of curtis yarvin to be honest i think you all understand exactly who this guy is i'm going to do a little more on peter thiel and i'm going to try to wrap up this dr james giordano piece for you so that we can move on to jim start working on the financial side of this the collapse of the financial system the supply chains and everything else that is coming at us at warp speed ladies and gentlemen operation warp speed unbelievable so great love operations love warps fantastic this is going to be unbelievable let's make technocracy great and stuff and things and everything again ladies and gentlemen believe me have a great day this is us to go with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.